tonight, the conversation, if you've been before, you know the format of this um, is you come up with a, a subject, uh, which we have, uh, very original. You can see we just repeated the title three times. <laughs> just uh, decisions, decisions, decisions. You always want to do something that's relevant for people's lives, that's applicable as well. The, and, and so, you know, this is tied up with the idea, well, how do we make the right decision? Everybody faces decisions that they have to, to make, you know, depending, you know, and those decisions will be different depending on the age that you are, uh, you know, and that could go right down to being younger and the sort of subject picks that you have in school, go to university, uh, you know, the sort of the job that you want till you sort of get a bit older and a bit, uh, and, and sort of look at the other decisions that you have to make. So everybody faces decisions. So what we wanted to do tonight was to have a conversation about, well, well, well how do you make the right decision? You know, if you're, living, uh, if you're living for God and you're putting God first in your life, that's got to be a priority, uh, that you make a decision because we know that, you know, and, and I, I will know this and others will know this, so you make a wrong decision, you know, there's consequences to that. There's, there's, you know, things that you have to sort out now because you didn't. And so what we want to do is, is to use um, uh, some experience and wisdom, but primarily the Word of God to help us, you know, in, in how we make the right decisions. And, and hopefully by the end of the night, uh, that will give people some more insight. If you're sitting there thinking, I'm hoping they give me something specific for a situation in my life, we, we're not going to do that. Like, we're, we're going to help with sort of that general guidance. But certainly, you know, the opportunity to pray afterwards, if you're facing a decision, is always, you know, that, that opportunity is there. We want to be able uh, to do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to start and we're going to, uh, we're going to really base the night just, just on one verse. Uh, we're going to invite you to send your questions in as and stuff because we look at this and we'll say this from the beginning and it's a given without probably asking Tim is that in any decision making we've got to make the word of God foundational in what, in what we do and I say that deliberately because we are living in a day and age in church unfortunately that, that we will sort of go elsewhere uh, to look for the answers and not all of the stuff that we will look up will be bad things but we may look for a word from somebody or we may listen to a podcast we may watch a sermon and we're looking for oh god would you give me the answer through this and we want to bring it back to make it foundational for all of us so that actually the word of god is all is the foundation that we sort of make the decisions that we have to make in our, in our lives. So we're going to break that down tonight and what does that mean. But the verse that I wanted to share tonight was really that was this verse. And I'm just going to bring out my, uh, my, my notes here and stuff just because I wrote a couple of things down. Uh, pop the glasses on for old age and stuff. Uh, because the Bible tells us this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Uh, straight your path sorry and so there were some things in there that we want to pull out uh, to, to, to look at how we make decisions because a lot of the times what people will do is they will come up with a thing like you know trust in the Lord with all your heart is not the same as following your heart 
because a lot of times people will say, oh, I'm following my heart. Following your heart's not a, a, a great guide, to be honest with you. You know, even scripture teaches us the heart above all else, you know, is deceitful. And so, but that's not saying that there. And so what we want to look at some of the stuff that we need to use to help us, but then some of the stuff that we want to avoid as well and sort of say, hey, this is not good practice here and stuff. So, so Tim, we're looking at this. So when we look at that verse, there are some things there that we pull out in helping us make a decision. And so what would be the, the one thing that stands out for you before I give you the one thing that stands out for, for me? I think for me personally, when I look at that, obviously the first word is trust, uh, that we're trusting in the Lord with our whole heart, with all that we are. And as Pastor Matt has already said, and I think I've said it here also before, we're not, we're not trusting ourselves to fate. We're not trusting ourselves to our own feelings. We're not trusting ourselves even to our own heart in the sense of, you know, I'm just gonna follow the dictates of my heart because as the pastor's already said, our hearts are deceitful above all things, the Bible says, and desperately wicked. It always makes me smile when people say, oh, he's got a pastor's heart, a heart like all of our hearts, desperately wicked, deceitful. You know, we need a new heart. So for me, when I look at that, I think, you know, I can trust the Lord and I can trust his word. You know, the will of God, it's not hidden. Uh, God has given us a book, Pastor, and it's got 66 books within it. And some people think the will of God, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, when, when I play with Emily, you know, you take one of her toys and you hide it somewhere and you know, oh, you're, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, and God's sitting in heaven looking down, so, oh, you're getting warmer to finding out my will, you're getting warmer, oh, no, no, you're cold, cold again, and some people think the will of God's like that, and, and other people think, you know, the will of God, it's like a lottery ticket, you know, we, we've all got a ticket, as it were, but there's only a few winning tickets, and if you happen to have the winning ticket of the will of God, then your life's incredibly yeah. blessed, and all of us just meander our, our way through lives. The, the, the will of God is revealed in his word. And the most fundamental, obviously, is, is the first one. God wills that you be saved. Whatever else you're looking for tonight, that's your starting point. God wills that you be saved. So I look in that verse and I think, I, I, I can trust someone who is wiser than me. Someone who loves me with a love that I can't understand someone who loves me with a love that is everlasting and there's none of us here tonight that has an everlasting love yeah, yeah. not a one of us you know we didn't you know for for those here tonight that are moms you you weren't thinking oh i can't wait to my wee ones born or whatever it is you know even before you got pregnant but but before the foundation of the earth god loved us and god knows what is good for me and god knows what is perfect for me and god knows what is suited for me personally so when i trust the lord as, as we have said before from this, this platform, we, we can't give you answers. The Bible doesn't give you specific answers for what's happening tomorrow. Again, some people see the will of God like a dot. You know, you're playing dot to dot, that it's that dot, and so it's, so it's that house, and it's that job, and it's that husband, and it's that woman. And, and if you miss a dot, then your picture's all jumbled up. The will of God's not like that. The will of God is revealed in his word, which is why as we'll come on to, we need to be reading his word. So for me, when I read, trust in the Lord with all my heart. Say, Lord, I, I, I don't understand this, yeah. but I trust you. I trust your wisdom. I trust your love. I trust your fatherly I think, care. I think, the con I think it's important to say, maybe say that the, the context of that is written in 
this is a father writing to his son. It's like, that's the context of Proverbs 3 is written in. And so we would agree with this. See, when we say heart, we would almost associate it with feelings. It's like, you know, when, when you first, you know, saw your, your wife or your husband or somebody that you, you fancied, let's use those words, and, the, you know, the heart, you know, it's that feeling. Yeah. Can some of you remember? You know, you might have to dig back a little bit, but that feeling and... That's a danger when we read that. We think it's feeling. We think, well, I feel this way. And times you hear people say, I feel God is leading me. I feel God is doing this. And, you know, and in a sense, that's okay, but it shouldn't be the only thing that you use. It shouldn't be just that, oh, I have this feeling. There should be something that, you know, it's got to be backed up by, and we'll look at this on the second question, but by the word and by the spirit and by counsel and by peace and by circumstance and by consequence. And that there's lots of stuff that goes into it. So when we say heart, it's not, oh, I feel it. The heart in the Old Testament was descriptive of sort of the, the whole inner person, you know, the, the soul, the, the understanding, the emotion, the purpose, a desire. So that's why he's writing this. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart that there's actually a lot that goes into this, not just the way that you feel, you know, and it's, uh, you know, and I, th I think that's why, probably the, the, the thing that I got as well was probably do not lean on your own understanding, which for me, I would look at that and think, you know, hey, I can make bad decisions. I have made bad decisions. And, you know, people just do make me, and more often than not, it's because I've lent on my own understanding. It's because I've looked at something and thought, that's what I need to do. That's the way I need to go. That's what I should do. Realizing that's just me. And probably by the grace of God keeping me, you know, from not making those decisions makes me look and think, actually leaning on my own understanding is not the way that I need to go, but leaning on the Lord's understanding, which again, all of this comes through the word, doesn't it? The understanding of what God wants us to do, you know, comes through the word when it comes to make decisions. I think that's why the Christian life's called a life of faith. And, and that's not a leap into the dark, but that is living our lives in accordance with what the Lord has revealed in his word. Even though we do not understand it, we do not understand his ways, we do not understand his purposes. As he said through the prophet Isaiah, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, your thoughts higher than my thoughts. I mean, we, we make a lot of decisions over the head of our kids, and they would look at that and say, that's bonkers. What do you mean? You want me to eat that green stuff? There's no way. You're eating it, or you're not going out. We, we make a decision over their head, even though they may not understand, but, but we recognize this is good for you. In the short term, this might be unpalatable to you, but in the long term, this is good for you. And Psalm 84 says, the Lord is a sun and a shield. And I come back to this all the time. The Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So whatever comes into my life, it comes first through the grid of his fatherly care. It comes through the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, which, as we all know, are nail-riven hands, hands that were nailed to a cross for me. So whatever comes into my life, even though it might be unpalatable, even though it might be distasteful, 
I go back to this and say, Lord, this is good for me. You know what is best for me long term. And so I trust you. I trust you with all my heart. I don't lean here to my own understanding. In this way of difficulty, I'm trying to, I'm trying to acknowledge you. I'm trying to submit to your care and to your wisdom and to your grace, recognizing that you are a sun and a shield. You do give grace and glory and no good thing, no good thing will you withhold from those who walk uprightly. And you've got to come back there. We've said this constantly. In fact, all our conversations really have the same theme. We come back to the foundation of God's Word. Even though we don't understand many times what is happening and what is taking place, we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Yeah, and I think we have a responsibility as well because I think it says, in, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And I think we've got to take out uh, actually that this is all just God all the time, that actually he, he, there are things that we're to do, you know, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In, in, in the times that you have, uh, you know, are you spending your time, your devotional time, are you praying, are you, are, are you reading the word? You know, 1 Corinthians 14, I think it's 33, it says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And I read that and I look at this and think, often we think that, you know, looking for God and what he wants us to do is a bit like going on a treasure hunt. You know, oh, we've got to find the clues and maybe God will reveal something down the line. I don't think God does that. I think he brings a clarity because he's not the author of confusion. I think he is the author of peace within our lives. But there is a responsibility on our part that says, in all your ways, so the way that I want to live, I have to acknowledge him. So the ways is the ways that I want to live. But I've got to acknowledge him. That means in everything. You know, family, in job, in church, in ministry, in marriage, and all of those, I have to acknowledge him. So I can't complain that God is not directing me and speaking to me if I'm not acknowledging him in any way. Do you know what I mean? So whether that be by your devotional time, your prayer time, your study of the word, that, that's the way we do that because it's the only way, you know, we find out one verse that just people will know th- these verses that we're quoting. You know, Psalm 119 verse 105, you know, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, it's as clear as anything. Again, writing to a young man, and when he says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, shows the, the, the idea of that you would wear lamps on your shoes to see where you were walking. Uh, and then that shows the up-close personal that, that, uh, thing that God gives us, but also it says it's a light to our path. And our word gives us direction and light to the direction that we're going as well. And, you know, after we confuse it and say, well, how do we find out what God wants us to do? Well, we read the word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, what, one of the dangers we've done, and we, we, we said about this, is uh, we have made, we have made the, the general specific and the specific general. Let, let me give you an example. The Bible clearly states, you know, do not be unyoked. Don't be unequally yoked with a believer. Don't go out with a non-Christian. Now, we may say in this day and age, that's horrific. How could we do Listen, if we live by the word, he says that's a specific bit of advice and stuff that we are given through scripture. And so people get themselves into all sorts of bother because they don't follow what the specific says because they're looking for a general. They're looking, well, I don't want to do that because the person I've seen, he's gorgeous and I fancy him and stuff. And, you know, God will save him. You know what I mean? I'll pray for him. But he's good looking and there are no good looking fellas in church and stuff. So he'll do. 
you know, some of you relating to this, you know, and we, uh, yet we're clear that that is the, a specific thing that we're not to do. I didn't write that, it's in the word. But we then try and make it general with all the excuses. Ah, but it didn't happen for them, and this person worked out for them and stuff. We don't make our decisions based on personal experience, either of ourselves or other people. We follow what the word says. Why do we follow what the word says? Because it's helpful for the direction of our lives and the way that God wants us to live. Uh, and so that's why we do that. I know that's just one example, and it's certainly not getting at anybody. So, you know, if, if you feel as though, you know, oh, he's getting at me, I'm not, you know what I mean? It's just, that's one of the examples of, that, that we use and stuff. We'll, we'll move on to the second question. The second question is simply, well, what are some of the ways that God uses to guide us? You know, we, we've talked about the word being foundational, uh, but, but you, listen, we're a, we're a spirit-filled people. And so there are other things uh, that are used uh, to help direct us with the decisions uh, that we make and stuff. So I'm going to read them out and then Tim, I'm going to ask Tim to make comment uh, on some of them that, that help us. Because I, I wrote this out and stuff and, and these are some of the things. Uh, we've got the Word, the Holy Spirit, wise counsel. This is underrated in church sometimes. Listen, go and talk to somebody who's more experienced, somebody who's been there. I encourage people to do this because this is so important. You know, people have been on the road for years and stuff. It's so important. We've then got circumstances, you know. Well, is it the right thing to do for me? You know, if I stand up here this evening and say to you, I feel the Lord is calling me to be the worship leader, and so therefore next Sunday I'm going to lead the worship in church. You will come to church next Sunday not to be blessed by God, but just to laugh at me, you know, because it's not that that God has called me to do, but you'll be amazed at the trouble that people get into by the decisions that they make, that it's not their lane. And that's simply the way to look at it. It's not the thing that God has called them uh, to do. So we look at circumstance, conscience, we look at peace, we look at the consequence of our decision as well. And, you know, the consequence of our decisions is always, you know, well, after I make that decision... Uh, what happens so there's seven or eight things there that we build on the foundation of the word for making the right decision we don't just take one of them and say you know what forget the word and forget the spirit and forget everything I've got a piece about it you, you know listen in July I'm going on a cruise I'm going to be sitting on a sunbed with a mocktail in my hand with the sun beating down on me I am going to be as peaceful as anybody is ever going to be so if God speaks to me in that moment and says, all I need to have a peace, he said, that's not really going to happen because I'm going to be peaceful, you know. And so we've got to look at it like that, seven or eight things, and they must always sort of build on the foundation of the word. Would that be fair? That'd be fair, wouldn't it, to help yeah. be helpful? Again, Matt, just to concur with what you've said, I didn't know you were going to do that. This morning, early on, I thought of a few things, and I thought I'd better write them down, and I had no paper, so I found a Christmas napkin. <laughs> in our drawer and I was sitting at the dining room table and uh, you know we're seeking direction we're seeking um, advice and counsel about decisions and I'm, I mean Matt knows for me personally this is very uh, poignant tonight because you know you're seeking direction you're seeking counsel you're seeking you know what to do next with the, the next chapter of your life as a word and I had written down six things the first was this uh, I make it my aim to live a holy life in every area of my life. In other words, we want to live clean. So we want to live clean. We want to be 
a holy people. We want to be separate from the world. Secondly, it written down, we seek to know our Bibles and be shaped by them. So, so if you like folks, do you know what these are? These are trajectories. We all know what a trajectory is. A rocket follows a certain trajectory. It follows a certain path. And so as believers, we're, we're seeking to know the will of God. We're seeking to have the mind of Christ. We're seeking to know the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so our lives need to follow a certain trajectory if we're going to discover that. And, and the trajectories that I've written down are this. We want to live clean. We want to know our Bibles and be shaped by them. The third thing is, and, and Matt's already touched on this, with regard to him leading the worship, we seek to know ourselves, the way God has made us, and the particular spiritual gifts that God has given us. I am not, I am not a kid space leader. Amen. There would be murder. I, He's I, not, believe me. I have no, I have no, I, I'd say no, a very little patience with it's as well we got a good one because I don't know how I would handle it. Uh, you know, I would have been a lot grayer than I am tonight. Uh, so, so you, you know, you're, that's not my gifting. Leading worship is not our gifting. You know, that, and that's not to say we, we don't get involved in stuff. I mean, not everybody gets to use all their gifting. But you know how you're wired. So, so I sit down and think, right, am I seeking to live clean? Am I trying to know my Bible and be shaped by it? I, I seek to know myself, how I'm wired, the particular gifts God has given me. And then I'd written this down as number four. We seek to be aware of the needs of the world that we are in and the world that we can touch. So we're here on the shackle. We're not in Mongolia. We're not in the continental United States. We, we're here. So we seek to know the area and the people and the community. Number five, we soak all of that in prayer asking for God's wisdom and God's leading. And then sixthly, and again, our pastor's already touched on this, in all of this, we are part of a worshiping community of love so that every step along the way of making a decision, fellow believers are able to speak into our lives. And they're able to come along and say, listen, you can't sing a note. I don't believe God has called you to be a worship leader. I know God made the crows as well as the nightingales. Break it to me gently. You're, you're <laughs> very gently. <laughs> as, as gentle as I can be. But, and trying to save time instead of dragging out the conversation over three cups of coffee. Just say, Listen, can, can I jump in with a quick Because somebody absolutely. has actually post, sent a good question in. Not, that not all the questions are good, but this is a very good question. Uh, and it's, and I'm actually going to read it out and try and answer because it was to do with the wise counsel one. It says, how do you decide who to ask for advice? Even people who have been Christians for a long time may not give good advice. And that's a good question. I'm going to attempt to answer it and stuff. Are you going to go for that? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll try and answer it and stuff. I think, I think what you do when you look at the person you're asking for, you look at the way they're living their life, the choices that they're making and the decisions that have worked out for them. I think that's probably the, the fruit of that. But again, there's a particular thing that you, you, you know, you stay in your lane. We have six elders in this church. All of them would give good advice, good counsel, good prayer, 
but they would all probably do it in maybe different areas of their life. If you're a young person or a young adult and they're asking me, I, I send them to Pastor Reese. He's, he, one, he's their age, and, and, you know, and second, this, and, you know, and, and we must understand this about pastoral work, because pastoral work is not about life experience, it's about the revelation of God. Uh, danger is sometimes we look at people and say, oh, but they're young, they don't have anything to say. I'm sorry, that's just not true. You know, actually, it's that they have the revelation of God. Life experiences, I'm not, I'm not saying Reese doesn't have life experience. I'm just saying that actually that is important. The revelation of God is essential. And so you would look at people and stuff. I mean, you know, we're, we've in, 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 not to be controversial because, you know, it's not me. But we're very male orientated in our leadership in this church. Amen. Yeah, yeah. And so what we do when it comes, listen, if you're a woman with a problem, you do not want to talk to me. You probably want to talk to my wife, who is excellent. And some of you and most of you have sat and chatted with her and stuff. Well, will know this from the conversations that you have and, you know, the pastoral work that she does in the background with lots of people through telephone calls and visits for coffee and things like that, is much better than coming to me. If you have a relationship problem, I'm the last person you really want to come to. And some of you will amen that. Some of you will look at it and say, he's there. Because that, that may not be my lane in a sense, you know, but there are other things that are my lane. And those are the things that I, you know, you're going through a hard time, you're going through a tough time, you want a pastor to visit you in hospital and in your house and come and pray with you at 11 o'clock at night because, listen, I'm your man, I'm there. I, and I, I don't say that boastfully in any way, but I say because that's my lane. But if you phone me up and tell me you're having problems with your boyfriend and problems with your girlfriend and things like that, I'm like, here's Reese's number. Or... <laughs> Or, or please, or, or please, or please, here's my wife's number. That, people stay in their lane. So listen, you look at people's lives. The elders in this church, listen, the wealth of not just experience, but wisdom that, that these men carry, you know, then listen, that, that, that's, that's, why, that's why we're here. Pastoral work doesn't go on from the front of church at a 35-minute sermon on a Sunday morning. It's everything that goes on through the week and the conversations and all that that happens through the week. And stuff. I know that's probably taken me off, uh, off track a little bit, but it's important that you're going to talk to people that you know you're going to get good advice from. You know, and so therefore, you know, go, go and ask them and talk to them, but please don't look at this and say, because they're older, oh, they must be mature and wise, and because they're younger, they're not, no, I said, listen, life experience is essential, the revelation, uh, sorry, life experience is important, but the revelation of God is absolutely essential, and that's for people, uh, you know, in, in their lives. I think that would be... Oh, absolutely. Would be, yeah. I, I've drawn to people that are, you know, like myself, that are, that are scarred, that are wounded, um, that, that have been hurt, have their noses put out of joint, and still they're going on with God. They're still seeking to pursue Christ. Uh, There's still part, you know, they're, 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 as I look at their lives, I say, right, these people have had trials and difficulties, as have, as, have, have we all had. Uh, but, but their trials, has it made them better or has it made them better? And, and, and I, I would gravitate toward those people. I mean, even the last few weeks, I've sought the advice of, of 
uh, a couple of godly men, one not sitting too far away from me, just over here to my, our learned brother to my left, and, and another brother that I went to see. Both of them were useless, by the way, they just uh, go whatever. But, but I, no, I thought at least, at least one of these guys is going to have just a word, and it'll be thus saith the Lord. But I say that somewhat as, you know, joking, but, but so, so what we are encouraging you to do, we do. We, we have people in our lives, and so I personally look at people and think, right, have they suffered? Are they still going on? Are, are they still seeking to serve Christ? You know, and, and as the pastor's already said, they, they need not be elderly. They need not be young, you know. I have another question here. I don't know if I should be concerned here because this is from my wife who says, how does a person know the right person to marry? <laughs> I, I don't know if I should be concerned there. Love, it's I, a bit late now, love, I mean. How do I know? Well, it's important one for the younger ones. I can answer, sense, you can answer that very simply. Let the women keep silent and ask their husbands yeah, at home. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's important one for anybody. First, when they got to be saved. Absolutely. Said, let's stop this idea that people have that you win them for the Lord if you go out with them just because they're good looking. No, listen, they got to be, you know, that's the first compatibility. Second thing, as I said to the young people, when I was a youth pastor here, and I used to do a very memorable relationship talk that has scarred some of them for life. But, you know, I always used to say this, listen, they've got to be holy, but they've got to be hot as well. You know what I mean? I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest here, do you know what I mean? Nobody wants to end up with somebody ugly, do you, ladies? Do you know what I mean? Let's be honest, some of you are thinking it's too late, you know, but anyway. But so that's it. But listen, you've got to be going the same direction. It's all about trajectory again. Yeah, are they on that trajectory? Yeah, yeah. yeah, direction, isn't it? Because it's when, you, you know, I mean, I know we joke about Bible college and call it bridal college. We, we joke about that, but yeah, yeah, you do meet people there who are the same trajectory, the same, I can't even say the word, the same you know, way, plan, you know, and that's it. And so you've got to, you have to do that. You know, you don't want to be going out. And unfortunately, I've had to have these conversations with people and they end up with people and, you know, church is a part-time thing for them and they go, you know, maybe, you know, football's not on the cinema on nothing on the cinema. Maybe they don't feel like going. And, and then they end up, you know, sort of in this relationship or maybe getting married. And it's just heartache all the way through. You know, follow somebody who loves the Lord more than they love you that's really i mean when you're looking at it and stuff you know follow somebody get yourself together with somebody who loves jesus so when you say to them i don't feel like going to church tonight you're turning around to them and saying listen you sit in the house you watch the telly i'm going to church you know and you see that in the decision that, that you make, and you may say, well, that's a bit hard, a bit, well, listen, that's the reality of life, isn't it? Because the alternative is just a bit messy sometimes, that people end up saying, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll sit in the house to keep them comfort, you know, to, to be with them, be, don't do that. It says, come to church, they will sit in the house, let them sit in the house. The blessing is here in church and stuff, and particularly when we've got kids and stuff, and we want our kids, anybody who doesn't have kids in church, our prayer and our desire always is to have our kids in church. I mean, that's a reality of it. Let's not pretend uh, other ways. Whether, you know, that's just a reality of parenting. You know, we want our kids always in, in church. And so, but that, that comes there for, excuse me, by example. 
and that, and just the encouragement that, you know, I mean, okay, I work for the church, but I know with, uh, you know, other parents, you know, a kid's never got up on a Sunday and asked, are we going to church today? But I know that happened in other families because the parents looked at it and saw, well, you know, sun's out, let's go down to the beach. And there was one truth I have learned about parenting in, in church, and it's not because I'm a perfect parent because I'm far from it. Uncommitted parents never produce committed kids. That's the truth of it. They're uncommitted parents never produce committed kids. If it doesn't matter to you, it'll not matter to them. And they grow up so quickly. And you might think, oh, that's a bit harsh and stuff. But it, it, we're having an honest conversation. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the reality of it, where we want our kids. Uh, and some parents are a joke sometimes because they, they, they look at us as a church and expect us to have the influence over their kids in, and I'm thankful for what the youth leaders do in this church because every Thursday night in that youth hall there is a biblical sermon with worship that is spiritually impacting the lives of our young people and same as the kids church there's some parents thinking why are the church having the influence the spiritual influence over uh, you know my kids and stuff like this it's a partnership and listen your kids watch more telly in one night than they do in a 10 church all week so don't look at us and say we're not influencing them enough and not doing enough. You know, that's the reality of it. You might feel that's a bit harsh, but that's just the reality of where we are uh, as, as, as people, as parents, as the church and stuff, that the influence that we have. And that starts with that decision, doesn't it? Uh, I've, I've sent our kids or our family of saying, listen, I go to church. I, I, we are going to church and, and listen, there's no, the sun's out, we're going to church. We're going to always scream afterwards. You know, there, there's something on the telly, we'll record it, we'll watch it when we get home. And we do all of those things. I, I think that would be fair. With just I think that. what the church provides is supplemental. But what we do as parents is fundamental yeah. to the growth and the development of the faith of our kids. And, and we can only do so much. And, and again, it's my mentor, John Piper, who said, you know, I mean, he's, he's four boys and an adopted daughter, Talitha. And some of his boys aren't walking with the Lord. In fact, far from it, antagonistic toward the gospel. And remember, he told us he used to take the kids out to the lakes in Minneapolis, Minnesota there, and it would freeze. And they would throw stones onto the frozen lakes. And, and he told the pastors at the conference, he used to say, guys, keep throwing the stones. Keep casting the seed because one day God will come just like the spring comes and melts the ice and the stones sink. Someday through your prayers, the Holy Spirit will, yeah. will melt the hard heart and, and, and the seed will fall. So, so whilst our children's work here is second to none, it is only supplemental. It's, it's, it's not fundamental. I never volunteered to go to church until I was about 18. Up until then, I was conscripted and saying to my mom and dad, I don't want to go. The preaching's wick. The singing's awful. The tambourines do my head in. You make me wear my itchy trousers. That must be the worst trousers. And you make me wear a wee stupid thin leather tie. Sort of look like an idiot. My mom and dad would say, yeah, we hear you, Tim. I go and get dressed. We're going to church. And that was it. And that was it. And I'm proud of our pastor tonight. He's, 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 he's used two phrases that, that if I'd have said them, I'd have been really proud of. Holy and hot. And, 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 and some parents are a joke. I thought, I thought, I thought Can fantastic. Can I just say... I, I probably just realised that, and I'm not, I'm not calling parents a joke, I'm really not, I know, because I, I'm probably in, I, I did the youth pastor's job here for 15 years, yeah, before I, you know, got demoted to do the senior pastor's job, so, uh, and 
those come from real proper conversations Absolutely. I had with people that actually said, why will we not have any influence? So the, those, those parents, I'll cover this, whether it's true, that they're not in the church tonight. That's probably fair, isn't it? Like, hey, uh, I don't think they are anyway. But anyway, just, uh, but that's it. But so I'm not, I'm not saying that because I know how hard parenting is, Absolutely you not. know. But I think when they, it was more in the, when they turn around to, people, to us as the leadership and say, well, we should be doing more. Well, you know, let's work in partnership and do it together. And I think that's probably the key. But the first key is bringing them along to everything. You know, and kids' churches on, and kids' spaces on, and, and youth is on, and did all this stuff that's on. That, that's what we're trying to do. Somebody else asked a good question. I know our time is nearly gone, and this is quite good because they're obviously extra. Um, there are times when people maybe give us a word, or we're called to take a step of faith, and people have asked, well, how much do we step out then when somebody maybe gives us a word? or, or it, we're called to take a step of faith. I, I simply say this with faith, you have to have faith as a believer. Faith is part of any decision that God calls you to make, but it's always a step into the known rather than what's taught today, almost a step into the unknown and the uncertain. If I'm taking a step of faith, it's into the promises of God. It's into what God has called me uh, to do. Is there some uncertainty about the situation that I'm stepping out in. Yes, that's where the uncertainty is. The uncertainty is not in the promises of God. The, the, certain, the uncertainty, the assurance is absolutely in the promises of God that, that he has given us. Now, if somebody gives you a word, because at times this happens in church, and listen, we want to encourage this. We want to encourage our church. is an amazing, encouraging church. You know, it is, and the people would share testimony after testimony of people who have been prayed for and people who have shared verses with and people who have given words. And, and when somebody gives you a word, I simply tell them to do this. Listen, confirm the word, but hold the person responsible who, who's given the word. So if Tim gives me a word tonight and says, you know, I've just, sense the Lord was saying this and, you know, that there's a situation and he gives the word and stuff. Listen, I take hold of that, pray about it and look for the confirmation in it, but I hold him responsible as well. So, because the danger is sometimes in church, you've got people going around giving all sorts of weird and wonderful words that have no backing or foundation in the word of God. The word of God has to be foundational for what we, we, we do. And so therefore, I think that is essential because that, that stops us having damaged believers as well. That stops us having people who are damaged because, you know, somebody said to them that they need to go and do this or they need to, say for example, you know, they need to leave their wife or they need to quit their job or they need to do this. And those sort of things are dangerous in a sense, you know, because there are consequences to those. And sometimes you say, well, that won't happen. Yeah, that has happened. And where people make those decisions based on somebody they look at and say, they're far more spiritual than I am. So they must have a hotline to God and they're Therefore, hear a word and go and do that. And I always encourage people to confirm the word. You know, don't step out in the immediate sort of, oh, well, somebody said this, Pastor Matt said this. You know, Pastor Matt said he feels I'm called to go to Africa on missions. That might be because you get on my nerves. That's not because, you know, you, you actually, there's a calling for you to go to Africa. And so that's why you've got to judge and confirm the word when somebody gives it to you. Remembering that God is not the author of confusion, but he's the author of peace. Amen.
I would have nothing to add to that. Absolutely not. I again go back to the word and I know people talk about putting out a fleece like Gideon did. That was in the book of Judges. That was a one-off. And in the book of Judges, again and again, the Bible says there was no open vision. And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. We're not like that today. We have a Bible, 66 books. We have a Bible. Even the apostles cast lots for a replacement of Judas, and the lot fell upon Matthias. As soon as the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, there was no more casting of lots. They were a spirit-led people. And again, as, as, as the pastors already said, you know, when we step out in faith, there is a measure of fear and trepidation. And for me personally, it's not in the promises of God. It's in my own abilities. It's in my, am I able to do this? And then you come back and you say, you know what? You're not. You're not. But again, our strength is, is from the Lord and, and our ability all comes from Him. So. Listen, that, 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 that's us because time has flown in once again with this. Listen, we're both going to be at the door. The prayer team is on. We know this may well open a few doors for people tonight that have some questions and stuff. Listen, don't go home without sort of getting some prayer, uh, maybe some uh, answers to maybe some more of the questions that we've got because this is what uh, this is about. We know the conversation opens up other questions for people and we want to be in a position uh, to answer them. But thank you for the people who sent in questions and we're going to invite Scott's going to come back up and lead us in a final song. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Thank you.